listening to the Retirement Remix Show with financial advisors and hosts Chip Munn, that's me, and John Tate of Signature Wealth Group. Get ready for a bite-sized dose of timely and actionable financial planning and retirement tips alongside remixed retirement stories from real people just like you. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. John Tate, what's up, man? Oh, uh, not too much. It is raining cats and dogs here on a Friday, but not even that can get me down. No, man. I heard earlier that you're a whistler, so <laughs> I didn't actually get to hear you whistle, but I'm told that you're a mm. whistler. So yeah, Friday's a good day for whistling. I've never entered a contest, but I'm pretty sure my wife, if there was one, she would enter me in it and then make sure I did it and she would not attend the concert. So what's your favorite whistling song? Do you have one? It's pretty much anything that is playing in my head at the moment. I translate that into a whistle. And I usually have a soundtrack in there. Right now, it is actually the song Joyful Noise by String Cheese Incident. I was listening to that on the way to work. Okay. Well, hey, listen, I'm glad to know that spending time together is one of those whistle-worthy things for you. So it is. welcome to Friday. John, today we're going to be talking about retirement in a personal sense. Retirement is one of those things. It means a lot of things to different people. But one of the things that is for sure about retirement is that the idea of it has really changed a lot over time. It was originally started late in the 19th century with the idea of factory owners, kind of with the birth of the Industrial Revolution. Factory owners needed pensions because, frankly, they were wearing people out. And people went from kind of that agrarian lifestyle to working in factories. And you could only do that for so long back then. So what do you think in terms of some of the changes that have gone on since retirement was kind of originally founded? Because again, I mean, when you worked on the farm, you worked and lived in the same place in a lot of cases. So you worked there until, frankly, until you just couldn't work anymore and your family was around you. What do you think was kind of some of the biggest differences in transitioning towards what we might consider a more modern day retirement? Well, in the earlier days, once you stopped working, you basically worked until you couldn't work anymore. Like you said, and once you stopped working, you might have five or seven good years in retirement before that was it. That was all you got. And I think even today, obviously, we're living a lot longer today than we were at the time of the Industrial Revolution. But even today versus a decade or two decades ago, when you talk to somebody about retirement and you show them that they are potentially going to be retired for 30 years or more in some cases, I think it still kind of blows people's minds just because they don't realize. I think they look at it as maybe a starting point for something new, a point in time where things change. They go from one thing to another. But the fact that it could last for 30 or more years is still mind-blowing. So I think that is the part that we just still are helping people wrap their heads around and try to figure out, okay, so I'm here. How long does this money actually need to last? And how do I get there? Well, and I think that's one of the big things when you look at it like that. So I had a meeting yesterday with a client. We moved his potential retirement age from 55 to 60. And we're looking at end of plan when we're doing his signature life plan. End of plan, for those who are listening, is a fancy word for when you die. When we're doing financial planning, 
end of plan is death. And when we were looking at that, we had projected it out to age 90. And that is a very startling fact, especially when you look at, at one point, you were talking about 55 to go to 60 and still have 30 years. In a lot of cases, when you do that, you're retired longer than you were working or as long or longer. And so it makes for really the notion of the retirement remix of changing the way that we work and live and move into that next phase. It makes a big difference, I think, because John, I'm 45. When I start to think about, I have a 25 year plan for work that takes me to 70. Every day I think about what I want to do this, whatever this is for 25 more years. And if the answer is no, then I start trying to figure out a way out of it. So I think it changes the way we look at work when you look at how long you could work. And then if you're not working, otherwise, how long you'll be retired. And I hope for people it puts a lot more thought into designing the kind of retirement they would want. Because again, am I going to want to do this for 20, 25, 30 years? It makes a big difference. But one of the other things that's changed a lot or the way that these changes have kind of affected people, John, is the benefits that we get, you know, social security being a big one. What are some of the differences in the social security system or how that works now compared to maybe when it got started? So because we're living longer and because we're working harder, earning more, whatever that is, but when people started out, there were roughly, and I've used this stat now that I've figured this out, I've used this stat in several meetings this week. So you learn something new every day, right? But in 1940, there were about 150, 160 workers per beneficiary. So a lot of people putting money into the system, very few people taking money out. And so that is what allowed Social Security to do what it did for so long. Today, because people are working and living longer, it is probably closer to three workers per beneficiary. And so you look at a system that was designed to help people last five to seven years in retirement. Now that the system is being forced to help people through 30 years of retirement, you know, the system itself, there may be some infrastructure changes that we need to have happen in order for that to continue. But some of the things that we always point out in our meetings, when we're talking about how the money is going to come in in retirement, as we look at income from non-stock market sources, pensions, social security, things that that money is going to come in no matter what, no matter whether the market goes up, whether we're in a pandemic, whether we're out of a pandemic, the money comes in like clockwork. That's what you want to see. And we usually look at people's portfolios and spending plans relative to how much is coming in from non-stock market sources to how much is coming in from sources that could change depending on the environment of the economy. So if we're running into issues, if people's sources of income like social security or pensions are slowly being reduced over time and people are worried about social security being there, it really puts a lot more emphasis on the plan behind how your stock market and other variable sources of income are invested and putting more focus on planning how long that money is going to last because these other sources either are A, not reliable, or B, there's just no option at the company you work at right now to have a pension. And so the infrastructure is shifting a little bit, which I think puts more emphasis on good, sound financial planning, which you and I both provide, right? 
That's right. And I think it's also when we talk about planning and when you talk about planning and social security, it's important to know that there are lots of strategies around maximizing the amount of social security that somebody can take. And we'll get into that in more depth in a different episode, but there are lots of ways to go about it. And we've seen, if you watch any television, particularly during an election year, there's always talk about these kinds of programs, but we've seen them over the last few years, even changing. You note that the full retirement age for most people has shifted just a little bit. And every year or every few years with new people, it shifts just a little bit. They call it bending the curve in both the pension market and in social security. And so the longer they can string out before we can take full retirement, of course, you can always take a reduced benefit, the more it changes. So we've seen changes. We're not necessarily talking about all these aren't always radical. One political party or the other are making some gigantic change. They change a little bit over time, frankly, because of those numbers, John, that you were talking about just to make them work. Speaking of change, change is one of the things in retirement that we see being very difficult for some people. Some people roll right into it. My mom retired. She went from being a kindergarten teacher to having a five-year-old grandson that she could pick up from school, and things were good. It worked well between that and her family responsibilities. But for a lot of people, John, there are some real issues that you can run into. And now we're talking about a non-financial planning for retirement. What are some of the things that you see, John, that impact people in terms of the transition between We'll say working and not working. Change when you talk about it. I mean, there's changes that can occur physically, externally. There are changes that can occur internally and emotionally, mentally. I mean, they're all different styles and types of change that affect people differently. And when you use the R word, and I'm not talking about romance because I've heard Trish tell other people that you're very romantic. I mean, that is a good R word to use, but we're talking about the R word of retirement. And that's a big R word to throw around. It's got a lot of different implications for different people. But usually what is associated with that R word is change. And so let's talk about that. Like you said, I mean, you've got physical changes internally because you get up every day, your body is used to getting up at a certain time, having a certain regimen, doing a certain thing, going to work, doing your job, coming home, relaxing, going to bed, and then potentially starting it all over the next day. When you don't have that kind of regimented ideas or things that happen on a regular basis, your body can react in negative ways. There might be increased heart disease, stroke, other health factors that may impact people in that early part of retirement. I mean, in fact, I think studies have shown mortality is actually higher at 55 than 60 or 65, especially for people that want to retire early. It may not be the best health decision for you because. It is a big change and you may not be mentally ready for it and your body may not be physically ready for it. And so that's kind of from an internal standpoint. But the idea of retirement, the R word that I mentioned before, our idea of that concept can change. And I know you've written a book about, I think the title is Retirement Remix. I may have read it six or seven times, maybe eight. I'm not sure, but you've written a book on this literally. And so from your standpoint, how do you help people change their idea of what retirement is? 
Well, I think first, the biggest part is opening your mind to think about it a little bit differently. Most people, when they think about when they're going to retire, there are two primary factors that I find come into that. We'll call it the initial date, like that first date that comes to mind. One is when their parents retired. So the mindset is, well, my parents retired at 65. That must be when we retire. It's almost like it's just ingrained in us. And then the second is when our friends start to retire. So all of those are external factors. And so my suggestion to people is that really the way to sustain a happy, we'll call it just a non-working life, we don't even have to use the R word if we don't want to, is to plan for what that's actually going to be like. And in a lot of cases, for many of us, we got a taste of that over the last year. All of our schedules changed. All of a sudden, you know, for a period of time, we were going to work and then we weren't. All of a sudden, maybe your office called in and said, we're going to close down or work virtually for a while. And I don't know about you, John, but for me, it just really threw off. I had to get back into and try to keep with my regular schedule. And for a lot of people, when they quit work, that can be tough. It can lead to a really sedimentary lifestyle, which is where some of those studies that you were talking about in Japan, there's a word and I forget it off the top of my head, but it literally means they call men who've retired this word that means wet leaves, like stuck to the pavement. And it's because it's easy to develop a sedimentary lifestyle if you don't intentionally keep those things up. That's where a lot of those risk factors can come in. Now, alternatively, when we start to look at how do we plan for making a change, it's important to understand, like we've talked about before, that there's no single solution. It's like getting a tailored suit. It is customized, particularly for you. Honestly, you can't live anybody else's life at any point. And so having your non-working life be the same as everybody else isn't going to make anybody happy. So I think a, a big part of it, John, is being honest with yourself. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, honesty goes a long way. And it's one of those things. I think a lot of people have this idea that when their life changes, it will be some sort of release, some sort of vacation or some sort of resort lifestyle. And I've seen people do that, but it's only satisfying for a relatively short period of time. And then it's something that if there is no plan to take them beyond the honeymoon period, so to speak, that's when they can get into problems and you know change their lifestyle for the worse and not for the better. And so as you're going through that period, yes, have some fun, do some things that make you happy that you wouldn't normally get to do with the responsibility of going to work every day and doing what you do, but also take some time to think about how you're going to move forward without the identity, perhaps, of your job that you go, that you went to every day. Come to grips with the emotional stress that a place that you've worked for 30 years is going to go on and continue functioning and functioning well after you're not there anymore. That can be difficult for some people to think about. But those kind of emotional stresses don't have to change your life. It doesn't have to be that way. And so look for ways to give back the community that you've perhaps lived in for your entire working life. Obviously, it was a good place. It was nurturing to both you, your family, the business that you worked in. Figure out a way to give back to the community, make it a better place for people, other businesses moving in from other places going forward. And we always talk about these side hustles that everybody has. And 
that's much more prevalent today than it was five, 10 years ago. But some of these side hustles, maybe your existing career, the one that brings in the big bucks for today, maybe that's standing in the way of this side hustle becoming something that would be a passion project for you that would do a lot of good, not only for you or your family, but the people around you. So if you want to go pursue a dream, do that. And if you have things that you've always wanted to do and haven't gotten to do, go out and experience new things and learn new things. But all those things that I just mentioned, and that's just kind of the tip of the iceberg, but they don't just happen by chance. It has a plan. You have to think about it beforehand. You have to spend time thinking about these things to make them worthwhile for you. Don't take it for granted when these changes happen to you. So, you know, I don't know. What do we do about it, Chip? Well, I think it's important to point out, John, that it's not always the financial advisor's job to give all the answers. A big part of our job is asking the right questions and getting people to ask the right questions themselves, because that's how this lifestyle design or whatever it is that we want to call it in figuring out the next steps is to really get folks to think differently about it so that one of the things, John, that we see a lot is guilt. I've told our partner, Scott Mitchell, that whenever he retires, I'm retiring because he can't retire and leave me to do things. Well, I mean, we've been together for a long time. Scott, if you're listening, I hope you feel a lot of guilt. But you know, one of the things we try to do with our clients is really talk through some of those things, is to be a safe place to talk through how all these things affect one another and to understand you can't live somebody else's life. You reach a point where designing these things that work for you, and we've talked about it, I think we touched on it for a minute, John, they don't have to be paid. The things that you do in retirement don't have to be paid. Thank goodness my mom didn't require me to pay for the childcare that I got early on in my career, but it just makes a big difference when you let go of, and, and that's the biggest thing I think for us in asking those right questions is to get into what makes the change and happy change sustainable for you after you're not going to be working. John, next week, we're going to get into some of the kind of common concerns that we run into and some of the investing things. Anything you want to say kind of in closing for today? The last point you made about not living somebody else's life, I think that is a very astute point. And I would also say that uh, with the advent of social media and uh, people sitting at home and in front of their computers, it's very easy to get on Facebook and quote unquote, live somebody else's life, looking at their pictures and, and that kind of thing. But your life is what you make it. So just comparing yourself to you and your dreams is extremely important. And that's what we try to help our clients do. That's right. And understand that live in somebody else's life, or in this case, live in your own life and making these decisions, it starts right now. This doesn't start at some point in the future. Our encouragement to you is part of making a plan is to plan to enjoy more today. John, you and I have a book that recently came out called, Can I Retire Yet? <laughs> Which is a question we get all the time. I think my next one, though, is going to be spend it all. Spend it all. Because for a lot of people, that's a big, big change for them. What a novel idea. But um, Folks, just understand, all these conversations that John and I are having aren't only relevant when you are right before retirement. Our suggestion, our job really, is to begin planning for the life you want starting now. And so we'll be back again next week to talk about it. John, look forward to seeing you then. We'll be back next week. 
There we have it, another great episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, here are four ways that we can help. First, complete the Retirement Success Scorecard to discover whether or not you're on track to a successful retirement on your terms. You can find this at signaturewealth.com scorecard. Second, get a complimentary copy of my book, The Retirement Remix. Whether you're interested in real-life retirement stories and inspiration from others like you, or you want to learn more about Medicare and Social Security, it's all in there. Go to theretirementremix.com to grab your copy. Third, listen in on bi-weekly office hours with our team. We host live virtual office hours to share new investment and planning information and answer your money, markets, and retirement questions. Find the details to join us at signaturewealth.com slash office hours. And fourth, schedule a complimentary strategy call with one of our advisors to make sure you're on track toward your ideal retirement. Go to SignatureWealth.com and select the Signature Wealth office closest to you. We'll be back here next week for more on the Retirement Remix. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.